fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Hey everybody and welcome to big episode number 37 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Road Street Journal. The Fantasy Fullback Dive, of course, is your lead blocker uh, for all your league championships and whatever other tokens or trinkets you have on the line for fantasy this year. I, of course, am your host, Nat the Truth Jones. Joining me as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. And we're three weeks in and we're about to hit week four, which is going to put us at the quarter through the season mark. This is a big deal. To me, uh, three games in in your fantasy football season, most teams play, what, a 12-13 game season. That's your quarter mm-hmm. point. This week is a big week. I've always considered week four a big week. You go in at two and one, you come out three and one, that's huge. You come out two and mm-hmm. two, you're scrambling. What do you think about week four in fantasy? I mean, never mind the fact that you could extend a dominant reign to 4-0 and or just get buried to 0-4, which would just be you know, traumatizing. And I've said on this show since we started two years ago, there was one unfortunate year where I started 1-5 and and still won the league because I got Odell Beckham. Hail Marys happen every single year, and if you hit the right guys, you can still dig yourself out of any hole, but still – you want to be digging yourself out now. It's completely necessary to get that week four win. Uh, this is a very telling, you know, yes, you get Mark Ingram in some lineups coming back, but pretty much after week four, we've got a pretty good sample size of what players are going to be. Uh, and again, injuries will happen. Some players will just explode out of nowhere and turn their, their bus seasons around. Some people having great seasons might hit a wall, but ultimately we've got a good sample size. And this is a, a good time to kind of stick our flags into certain players and say, this is what we should expect the rest of the year this is a big one so this is this is a huge week for everybody and you got to get that w yeah you said you won a league when you were one and five i actually won the hometown league i was in last year i was four and six i had to win out to make Mm. the playoffs and then i won out and then i won out in the playoffs i actually won the first two games this year so i actually had an eight game streak uh winning but i did lose this week I, that was the same exact boat. I, isn't it crazy to think like fantasy teams can catch fire? Because it's oh, obviously we were on fire. <laughs> everything clicked. Yeah, the locker room. It was all the management there. You had some motivating speeches. I don't know what it is, but it happens where you just win eight games in a row and your team gets hot. It can also your team can get in like a Ben McAdoo rut where you have no idea what to say to him. Uh, I, I lost a horrible one. This is one lesson I learned this week. Which, uh, and I'll never make this mistake again, my roommate owns Fournette, and he's had some down years. He's come in last, the last two seasons. Kind of pity the guy. He's won a couple titles, too. So, I mean, he's always boomer bust type of guy. Right. But TJ Yeldon was sitting there in the waiver wire. I had a flex question. I had Rex Burkhead in my flex. I was like, hmm, I could take Yeldon. I know Fournette's out. He was passed out corpse after a long 5 a.m. night. We had a fucking crazy Saturday. Nonetheless, story for another time. I knock on his door at like 11 here, a grumble, and I tell him, Yeldon's out there. Your guy's sitting. Pick him up. If I had picked up Yeldon myself and started him, I would have won. I would have won my matchup, would have gone two and one, been in dominant shape. I've been the fourth most points, but I'm in eighth because I'm at one and two. I will never make a fantasy kindness move like that to anyone in my league ever again. No, that's, this is a cutthroat business, man. 
That's the gods hate it. The gods do not respect when you treat people kindly and try to help them out. Fuck that. I will never, ever help anyone else again. It's cutthroat. You, me, myself, and I, the only person you got to worry about in fantasy. When when you don't, the fantasy gods spite you like they did this week. There's a lot to talk about. We had some key injuries. We're going to talk. We're going to get into the stock watch, trainer's room. We're going to talk, obviously, our week four higher lower uh, and some Hail Marys. We got some burning questions coming up. We got a jam-packed mailbag, as always. (laughs) You ready to get into it? Let's dive in, baby. All right, we'll be right right after this. All right, we are back with the Stockwatch slash trainer room. Uh, we were going to lead off with Jimmy G. Obviously, the Garoppolo injury is a huge deal, both in real football and fantasy football. We're actually going to put that off. We're actually one of our three burning questions is going to be about Jimmy G. So uh, we'll actually be able to give him a lot more attention in that context than we would have leading off the stock watch with him. So we're going to skip him over. We're going to talk Rex Burkhead, Evan Ingram, Doug Baldwin, and LaShawn McCoy. Um, not insignificant names. But let's no. see. Let's see what people have to say. Uh, Rex Burkhead. The Patriots have placed running back Rex Burkhead neck on injured reserve. I also know he had uh, a concussion issue as well. So uh, been a rough start of the season to Burkhead. He's obviously done pretty much nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think? What's going on? Well, heartbreaking for me because you know how much I've always loved you Rex love Burkhead. Rexy. You do. I, I've been on the record quite a bit predicting big seasons. Got off the train a little bit once the knee stuff started flaring up, but I expected him to be that dominant goal line back, especially after Jeremy Hill went down. It just obviously never manifested. The guy just can't escape injuries. Tough loss for the Patriots in a real-life perspective, especially on special teams. Uh, but ultimately, you just got to move forward, and this really opens the door for Sony Michelle. Now, I'm not that – you know, it's tough to get excited yet – because on 15 carries, he had, what, 40-ish yards. Didn't look explosive at all. It it's, makes you wonder what they were seeing when they took this guy in the first round. Because he had that trademark, like, slipperiness. He's often compared to Alvin Kamara coming out. We just haven't seen that yet at the NFL level. But if he can develop and get used to the game speed, I don't know if his knee injury is looking or what. You know what's what's going on there. But he's looked a bit sluggish. He could still pick it up because he's about to have to pick it up. I mean, there's no other big down back uh, than Sony Michelle on this roster. So he'll have that goal line role on lock in an offense that scored the fifth and sixth most rushing touchdowns the last two seasons. Obviously, you know, they've been a little bit down this year, but that offense should catch its fire. They always start the season a little bit short. Uh, so Sony Michelle moving forward, I think, is a, a very dependable flex, if not RB2 with that Jeremy Hill type of explosive upside. And then James White, I mean, that opens up the passing role down for him just completely on lock. He's already been a PPR monster, and he's going to have that role all season he's going to turn out to be one of the best picks in the draft even when Edelman returns he's a, he's a key cog the only reliable guy in this offense right now I mean Sony Michelle I think he actually went had 14 carries for 50 I believe was his line and that's what it was. he yeah. is it just me or I mean has he broken a tackle yet this year he goes down so easy and that was the complete opposite I mean, of him at Georgia and it's it's just like he's like a solid he's a he's a solid two to three yards yeah, you know, just, and it's not, it's never exciting. It's nothing has excited me yet about him, but that could all change. They had to have seen something they'd love to take him at thirty first overall. I'm hoping that comes out at some point. What'd you think of the Lions? Just, I mean, I, I think that was, I thought that was the worst. I thought that was the worst I've seen the Patriots look in like I don't know, ten years, maybe more. 
It was it was reminiscent of that Chiefs game too. I mean, yeah, that I thought it was games, worse because it was even worse. Though. I thought yeah, it was worse because whole... the Lions are worse than the Chiefs. The Chiefs were a good team then. I mean, like, right. and yes, they kicked the Patriots' ass in the game you're talking about, and that was a game where everyone said Brady was done. But th- this to me was, I mean, the Lions are terrible. Like, I didn't leave that oh. game being like, oh, the Lions are pretty good. You know, last week I, I left the Jags game being like, yeah, the Jags are, Jags are not bad. Right. You know, okay, they right. went. But I mean, I this to me was just stunning embarrassing yeah no it was nothing but nothing short of embarrassing just awful game i mean patricia clearly had a a good read on what the patriots like to do on offense but that's not an excuse i mean it it is what it is you got to be ready you got a game plan better than that and they i mean this is a team that got blown out by the fucking jets who then just lost to cleveland so are we gonna say like cleveland's now on the patriots level by the transitive property the lions were (laughs) were running the ball six seven eight nine yards down just like i mean yeah i mean it was they weren't even touching people till they were five yards past the line this happened like all game anyway Mm -hmm. i digress but i I was impressed by that showing i was pretty shocked by what i saw Um, all right let's move forward on the uh stock report injury training room evan ingram ugh NFL uh, Network's Ian Rapport reports Evan Ingram, MCL sprain is expected to miss two to four weeks. Not like he was doing much anyway, but what do you think? Yeah, it hurts. I mean, he, he didn't have a great start this season. Week one did nothing. Week two caught a touchdown, looked a little bit more athletic, getting back in the sink, and was looking fine. But then obviously this injury happened, and Rhett Elson came in to get a touchdown a couple plays later. So it's unfortunate. I think he was starting to get, get back in that groove we were expecting him to be in all year. And now he's going to miss a solid chunk of the season. I wouldn't necessarily drop him unless you're in a really shallow league. I had to drop him this week in a 10-teamer to get Tyler Eifert as my tight end. But most of the time, you're stashing him and hanging on to him. Guys you can look for to replace it, Vance McDonald, the uh, stiff arm from hell. <laughs> that, that, mean, that was just insane, throwing that guy six feet into the earth, Conte. Uh, he's out there and only 36% owned. He could be an option. Looks real athletic, a key part of this offense when he's healthy and he's finally healthy. He's a guy to look for. I'd say <clears throat> Dallas Goddard in, um, in the Eagles, Philadelphia, only 10% owned. So if McDonald's not there, check this guy out. He went seven for seven, uh, 73 yards and a TD and Wentz's return. Even more appetizing if Alshon's not back yet this week. And then the guy I mentioned, Rhett Ellison, whatever the fuck name that is. Uh, he's Ingram's immediate backup, faces the Saints this week. And he went three for three, 39 and a TD. Not really athletic, but again, the, the Saints, 34 points per game, a desperation streamer right there. All right, let's talk about Doug Baldwin, or should mm-hmm. I say the corpse of Doug Baldwin. <laughs> Seahawks coach Pete Carroll said he's confident Doug Baldwin, knee, has a chance to play this week. Confident he has a chance to play, mm-hmm. if you hear that nice turn of phrase. Uh, right. I mean, do you give a shit? It doesn't install too much confidence in me, but you got to give a shit. Not in the sense that you could trust Baldwin and roll him out his first week back. If you did that no, in week sure one of his not. fantasy season, you got burned hard because he was injured within a few plays and got you nothing. That could easily happen again. You're not rolling him out this week no matter whether he's active or not. But if you see him and he makes it through the game, makes some catches, looking like his old run-after-the-catch dominant type of self – then you can feel more confident moving forward. So this would be a big tryout week, a good week to get a, a look at him. Uh, but I would not be trusting him at all in lineups. Obviously, there's some impact on Tyler Lockett, too, who's been pretty damn dominant in his absence. 
He's uh, commanded almost 30% of the target share in air yards on the year. 16.3 yards per reception is a career best. 4.0 receptions per game. So pretty solid involvement each week. He's actually ridden that to the wide receiver 16 value in fantasy. But that would all take a massive hit if and when Baldwin returns. I I expect him to eventually ascend back to that top of the totem pole uh, type role and be be a nice wide receiver too the rest of the year. I'm going to have to wait and see it first though. Yeah, the Seahawks offense is not instilling much confidence in me at all. Although Chris Carson did have a decent game, but let's not forget, they're playing the Cowboys. The Cowboys are, I would say, a bottom five team in the NFL. I know. I don't know what to make of that either, too. 32 fucking carries for Carson a week after getting benched and playing special teams. Like, what is going on there? He gets, he gets Arizona this week, too. The most rushing points to to running backs right now, fantasy points-wise. So who who knows what to do with that situation? I'm probably avoiding it. Maybe you play Carson this week. I, I gotta play him. He's the best running back I have on my team. Like my oh, my, my yeah that's yeah. Heard. I went all in on receivers. I got a great receiving quarterback. Oh, that's great right. Quarterback. Yeah, the Hopkins and I'm, and I like, you know and I'm I'm waiting for Tariq Cohen to pop or Peyton Barber to pop or Chris Carson yeah. to pop. Right. Uh, you know Carson's game was decent. Carson's so I, I will be yeah. rolling him out next week. I assure you. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right, let's talk Lashawn McCoy. Mm. Or should I say the corpse of LaShawn McCoy? A lot of corpses we're talking about like the here. corpses today. Well, there's a lot, a lot of these guys are corpses, man. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, ribs, expects to play in week four against the Packers and was limited at Wednesday's practice. Uh, you know, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this. But before you do, I mean, we talked about the Patriots losing, uh, you know, to the Lions. Can we talk for a second about the Vikings getting blown out at home by the Bills? Like, did you see that coming? <laughs> Not at all. Ruining fantasy survivor seasons. Like, oh, you know, I've, I've heard there's like most leagues only have a couple hundred left because of that one game, which makes perfect sense. I didn't play any myself. But yeah, insanity, the fact that that happened. And because of that, I think that's a good segue into Shady. Yeah. You got to have a little bit more faith in this guy once he's back on the field because of that overall offensive and defensive improvement. Obviously, it's like a, a bit of a fluke because there's no way to just gonna start dominating good teams like Vikings here and in here. I got severely underestimated after two shitty-ass weeks, and there is a little bit of juice here with Joss Allen. He really invigorated that team. Some of the plays the guy makes, I would never want to see my franchise quarterback doing that leap he had, that hurdle. Very impressive athletically. Not something I'd ever want to see my franchise quarterback doing. But either way, the team's clearly fired up to have this guy playing the ball he is. They're, they're scrambling. They're getting more creative with little jet sweeps and all these different things on offense. And that only means good things for Shady. Chris Ivory himself racked up 126 total yards, three receptions. was kind of wide open on those receptions too. So they're scheming up some more creative usage for their backs, which I think is good news for Shady. He had 8.6 before he got hurt in the third quarter. So he's on his way to a, a nice 10 to 15 point day before getting hurt and now these overall offensive and defensive improvements I, I like what I, I would see I definitely roll him out this week if he's out there for sure all this talk about Josh Allen does that mean you're off the Nathan Peterman train <laughs> I was never is anybody ever on the Nathan Peterman train that's horrible I don't know his parents, <laughs> parents probably are fond of him yeah right his aunt right uh, you know, one more thing. We'll talk Rams defense. I, this is, you know, harsh even putting this in the injury report because we don't usually talk defenses, but they did place cornerback Akib Talib on injured reserve. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some holes in that Rams defense, right? 
Yeah, the only reason I put it on there, this will be a quick one, is the Rams were limiting their opposing wide receivers to the least amount of fantasy points up into this. And then Marcus Peters suffers that calf injury. He's up in the air for Thursday. He'll be back within the next two weeks. But either way, his status is questionable. Tlaib going to be out for at least, I believe it's six weeks once you go on the injured reserve. Uh, it could be even eight. I forget the exact number. Either way, that defense does have a nice little hole there. And they're so strong up front in the front seven against running backs that wide receivers could start seeing a good amount of volume and a good amount of points starting this Thursday with the Vikings, who will obviously be trying to, to bounce back with Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. It just is very important to note when they've limited receivers this much that they're now missing a crucial part of that and could be missing two crucial parts of it come Thursday. So Diggs and Thielen get a huge bump up in your rankings. And just in general, receivers against the Rams aren't nearly as scary anymore. All right, we'll be right back with Higher, Lower, and Hail Marys right after this. All right, we are back. Let's talk higher. Let's talk lower. Let's talk Hail Marys. Guy you're higher on, Andy Dalton, playing at Atlanta. He's a QB8. You got him four spots higher than the experts. Why? I just think Cincinnati offense as a whole, and as we go down this list, you'll notice a lot of Bengals on here, is a fantastic play against an absolutely decimated Falcons defense. They've now lost both safeties for the season, starting linebacker now. And I are banged up. It's decimated, and their offense is playing pretty on fire right now, especially with Calvin Ridley's emergence. So this is shaping up to be a shootout-style offense, kind of like the Saints and Chiefs light, where they have a, a terrible defense, but an uh, explosive offense to go with it, Atlanta. So that every week it's going to be a shootout, I think, whoever's facing uh, any of those three teams, including Atlanta, and that's going to be the Bengals this week. They're clicking in year two under Bill Lazor. We, we do need to know the status of A.J. Green. Obviously, Andy Dalton would lose a little bit of luster without his main target target hog in the offense but even then I still think Tyler Boyd Eifert Gio Bernard would still make Dalton very very usable I'm very high on the red rifle this week for sure okay well let's talk about a guy maybe you're not so high on and that would be Andrew Luck got him going against Houston he's your quarterback 22 that's six spots higher than the experts doesn't sound like the experts are super high on him either but why why are you even lower yeah, six spots lower, and I, I'm definitely lower because that arm is just not right something is not right with him he's going a career low 5.4 yards per attempt. I know Frank Reich's offense is all about uh, the, the quick strike, run after the catch type of things. I get that, but he's not going deep at all. They even pulled him from the game when taking a Hail Mary shot last week, uh, and yet they continue to insist nothing's wrong, but he's gone for under 200 yards, two straight games, and I saw an interesting stat that throughout his career, Andrew Lux always averaged uh, at least 20% just under in a couple seasons on passes that travel more than 15 yards or more, uh, over 20% completion percentage every year other than and maybe 2015, he was 19.6. So uh, he's been completing the deep ball quite well. And then 2018, he's at 10.5% right now. So under half of career total. Something's just not right there. I'm not trusting him. And rest of the season, I'd be looking to move on at this point and hopefully get an Andy on the waivers or somebody else I can trust or, or just streaming. I just don't want luck in my lineup at all. He's pretty much unownable in my opinion. All right. Lots of Hail Mary streaming options amongst the quarterbacks this week. Eli Manning, Case Keenum, and I know your favorite is Ryan Tannehill, right? Uh, yeah, he is absolutely. After we saw the Patriots defense get decimated yet again 
again. This Miami offense is clicking. They got a lot of playmakers that make things happen. There's just the Jakeem Grant guy. It looks like a mini Tyreek Hill. Albert Wilson is, is making insane plays every single week. Danny Amendola probably wants some revenge against his old team. Kenny Stills gets deep with the best of them. So, I mean, he's got some explosive playmakers, and this is one of the slowest defenses in the entire league. They're not going to be able to run with these weapons after the catch, going deep. I, I think Tannehill's going to put up a lot of points after going 289 and three scores last week. And then you got Eli Manning, like you mentioned, against the New Orleans team, giving up over 34 points a game. Odell Beckham's finally rounding into form. Shepard had a touchdown this week, even without Ingram. I think that offense should, should really put up some points. And Case Keenum, in those shootout situations, every week I'll recommend whoever's facing Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs because they're going to put up their points, and whoever's going to face them is going to have to play catch-up duty. That'll be Case Keenum this week. So three great options, all under 30% owned, that are, are very streamable this week. All right, let's talk running backs. Guy that you're higher on. There's a few of them, actually. Gio Bernard, is that the guy that you're going to hit your wagon to? RB6, you got him five spots above the experts. And I remember there was one point this offseason you texted me, anyone who drafts Gio Bernard deserves to be murdered or something along I think along I said they lines. should never be able to play fantasy again. That, yeah, exactly. But this year, especially if you own Mixon, Bernard is humongous to own. And the reason I love him so much, we talked about how decimated Atlanta is on defense, but even dating back to, to when Dan Quinn first started, the, uh, this must be part of his defensive philosophy. Since 2015, they've always surrendered the most receptions to opposing running backs every single year Dan Quinn has been there 118 in 2015 109 in 2016 107 last year all again the most in the league and right now they've already given up 36 which is 144 reception pace to running backs we saw Alvin Kamara 15 last week on 20 targets Christian McCaffrey 14 on 15 targets the week before that granted those two are among the most elite pass catching backs this league's ever seen Gio's not on that level, but he's still a very good pass catcher. I see him seeing at least 12 or so targets. Clearly, this is where you exploit this team, getting maybe 10 or so catches. Fresh off of an 88% snap day, no other running back touched the ball. He is the horse when Mixon is out. Uh, I think he goes for at least 20 fantasy points after going for 17 last week in a great DraftKings play at 6,300. All right, here's some guys that maybe you're now a guy that you're maybe not as high on. Kareem Hunt playing at Denver. You got him as your RB13. That's five lower than the experts. Why so low on Kareem Hunt? It's just the usage is very concerning. I know he's found the end zone two straight weeks, including twice last week, which is really keeping his value afloat. And every week in this offense, he'll see his red zone chances. But you never know which week it's going to end up being another Pat Mahomes 5 TD bombardment and Hunt just kind of disappears. What's really concerning this year to me is the lack of receiving involvement. Andy Reid running backs typically are target hogs. But ever since you know Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, they just don't have the, the amount of targets to go around to keep Kareem Hunt afloat in the receiving game. He only has one catch so far on the year. No real targets either. It's very, very concerning right now, his lack of receiving usage. So if he doesn't find the end zone, he's kind of become that end zone or bust. Again, granted, more likely to, to find the end zone than not most weeks, but a tough Denver you know, front seven, good D-line. I can see this just being a Pat Mahomes aerial show and Hunt kind of being forgotten this week. Okay. Um, we're going to say... I mean, as far as like your Hail Mary, when you talk like, I mean, I, I'm a little bit, a little bit squeamish about your Hail Mary, which is Ty Montgomery. <laughs> That's why they're Hail Marys. Okay, though, yeah, because... but I'm not always squeamish on your Hail Marys. I'm squeamish okay. on this one. Explain to me why I should give a shit about this. 
Well, Ty Montgomery for the – I mean, again, yes, I'm squeamish too recommending him. Uh, and it's a three-headed nightmare. Aaron Jones came back, and hey, the snaps were pretty much even down the line. Jamal Williams led the team in snaps but had the lowest rushing output. And Montgomery had the second most snaps, and he led the team in touches, production. And I think that could continue. He's really ironed out that third down role. Granted, this is against the Bills, and they're not going to be in catch-up mode most likely unless it's another blowout like the Vikings. Who fucking knows these days with the the, the bills what's going to happen but either way i think montgomery's starting to slowly carve out more receiving work the more Cobb struggles they need this guy in the, the intermediate range of the field the bills got decimated by running backs all season both in the receiving game and in the red zone six touchdowns in those first two weeks i know last week they kind of they held strong but ultimately ty montgomery i think is going to be still heavily involved and at only two percent started and 17 percent owned it's worth a desperation stab during these bye weeks starting up all right let's talk wide receivers uh, higher upside wide receiver threes, Nelson Aguilar, Calvin Ridley, Sterling Shepard, Tyler Boyd. These are all guys that you have higher than the experts. Why don't you hit them mm-hmm. one by one real quick? We'll go real quick on all of them, but Aguilar, I think a lot of people started, you know, getting out on this guy after Wentz returned and he didn't have a great debut. Aguilar is still the number one target. They're still the target hog. I'm not worried. Him and Wentz had great chemistry all last year. And I don't doubt that he's going to explode against Tennessee, giving up the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. They get burned deep every single week other than last week against shitty-ass Blake Bortles. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, you got Wentz kind of shaking off that rust at this point. No real rain. I think everything kind of sets up nicely for Aguilar to have a really big rebound week against this awful Tennessee team. I think Calvin Ridley, I'm just a believer. I know he blew up. I don't think he's going to do that every week, obviously. 160 yards and three touchdowns insanity uh, but he ultimately has a great setup across from julio he's always going to see weaker coverage he's got great red zone chemistry with matt ryan which we know julio jones has always lacked this guy just really finds a soft spot every time especially within the 20 he's at three red zone targets he's converted all three for touchdowns he leads the league in red zone touchdowns right now and that's on less than half the targets of mike thomas who he's tied with who has nine red zone targets uh, he's just been the top wide receiver in fantasy these past two weeks and i just don't think it's a fluke shootout game like I've been talking about with the Bengals. I love them. So, I mean, the Falcons are going to have to score their points, too. I think Ridley's a big part of that. And then Boyd on the other side of that, smooth route runner, kind of Cooper Cup style, physical play. He's just always open. Dalton praised the guy. He's just so good, said Dalton. He understands running routes. He's versatile. You move him around. He had a lot of production in the slot. We've been able to move him around. Uh, and I love I love guys that get moved around, especially into the slot. He's that high-end wide receiver, too, if A.J. Green sits. And I still think a high-end wide receiver, three, even if he plays He's just been dominant, 132 yards of TD, 91 in a TD the week before. This guy's seen a heavy, heavy target share, and he's playing really well. And then Sterling Shepard, it's the Saints' defense. They're horrendous, especially against number two receivers. Uh, Patrick Robinson, I believe is the guy's name, just gets dusted. Seems like he doesn't even know where he is on the field half the time. Sterling Shepard, fresh off an 80 TD game. I think he tops those numbers this week. All right. Guy that you're lower on, Julio Jones against the Bengals. You got him as your wide receiver 11. That's six spots lower than the expert. I can't believe people are still putting him up at number five, I have to admit. Um, it's crazy. And that's more what it is. Is he, I don't think he deserves to be up that high at five. Do I like Julio? Of course. He's still a physical specimen. He's still a horse with a ball in his hands. He's still a, a monster. I get it. But he's only this wide receiver 17 in fantasy. Ever since that week one yardage explosion, he really hasn't done a whole ton. Uh, so it's, this is more about just the guys he's ranked ahead of that I think 
are clearly better options this week. You know, Keenan Allen obviously had a couple down weeks, but a great bounce back setup in San Fran against very weak coverage. Great matchup for him. Adam Thielen leading the league with 44 targets right now and just flat out dominant. Uh, with, with Cousins, we were nervous that Diggs was going to kind of take over that number one receiver role. There's plenty of volume for both those guys, and Thielen's been by far the most consistent one. Adams, Devontae Adams, how you put him below Leo Jones after he scored three straight, fourth straight week with Aaron Rodgers and maybe have his first real blow-up game in the season. Just all these guys, even Juju Smith, 100 yards every single week, far more consistent than Julio Jones, even though he's the number two option in his offense. He's feasting upon weaker coverage. I think all of those guys... Uh, belong well ahead of Julio Jones, who's ranks right now behind Tyler Lockett and Tyler Boyd in fantasy points. Uh, Julio Jones could explode at any moment. I get it, and I'm calling for a shootout game, but I still think it's Calvin Ridley that's benefiting the most from that. All right, Hail Marys. Hail Marys. Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson, both of them against New England. Uh, Why? I mean, I, I think I know why, but why? Because their defense fucking sucks. I hate it. It's awful to admit as a yeah, Patriots fan, thought. but this defense <laughs> is so slow, and these two guys are masters after the catch. Great in the screen game. Great at just dusting the defense. Again, Jakeem Grant reminds me a little bit of a mini Tyree kill, the way he's been making plays. Uh, I think that guy's a guy I would love to stash in so many leagues. Just in terms of, it was like Tyree Kill's rookie year. We see these punt return TDs making insane plays. You get a long touchdown every now and again to start the year, and maybe they ratchet up this guy's usage. And by midseason, he becomes a, a season winner. He's got that athleticism, 4-3-4 speed. I think he could really blow up down the stretch run and re- maybe have another huge week after a two-touchdown t- day last week. And Albert Wilson, the wide receiver 30 right now, he's really made plays each and every week. And again, this is a defense that's very easy to make plays against. I think both guys, if you're desperate, bring a ton of upside to your flexes. All right, tight ends. Guy you're higher on, Tyler Eifert, who I know you just picked up. Uh, tight end eight, you've got him. That's four spots higher than the experts. Why do you think this is an appealing matchup? He's just one. The, again, the Atlanta defense just completely decimated. They've defended tight ends pretty well this year out of all positions. That's been their lowest fantasy points. But even still, Eifert coming off his season high in snaps at 71%. He ran his most routes with 31, highest target share with eight targets, six receptions, 74 yards, both season highs as well. And this is the week I think it kind of continues. He has another 70 or so yards, but he finally finds that pay dirt this week, especially with A.J. Green a little bit banged up with a, a pelvis injury, which is always interesting a pelvis injury but I think Eifert kind of keeps that magic rolling against his decimated defense and is a nice tight end eight top tight end stream this week all right Jared Cook's a guy you're lower on uh he's playing Cleveland this week tight end 11 that's five spots lower than the experts have him again six seems high for the experts to have him out Uh, so make your case even though I'm pretty sure I'm going to agree with you I don't get why. I just don't get why he's six. That makes no sense to me. He had that, you know, 18 fancy point explosion in week one, and that was nice. But that's always been Cook. He'll have one or two 20 point days, and everyone just marvels at his athleticism, and it never ends up panning out to anything. He's had under, you know, 6.9, 5.6 fancy points those other two weeks. Just a, a minimal part of this sputtering offense. Cleveland's defended the tight end very well, only the third fewest points to tight ends, haven't allowed a single touchdown to tight ends on the year. I don't see what's so appealing that you would have this guy in your top six tight ends. Makes no sense to me. I think he has to be lower. All right. Hail Mary. Dallas Goddard. Goddard. Mm-hmm. You brought him up before. He's playing against Tennessee. You got him as your tight end. 13. That seems a little bit generous. Seven spots above the experts. Go ahead. 
It's just the, the tight end position in general is so shitty that I'm going to rank any guy I feel has a good shot at a touchdown much higher than those other options. I think Goddard has a, a real shot again to find the end zone after finding it last week with uh, Carson Wentz back. They raved all offseason about how this guy was brewing good chemistry with Wentz, uh, finding the red zone, kind of destroying one-on-one coverage, playing that Trey Burton role, but maybe even more athletic than Trey Burton. He clearly has a good rapport with with uh, Carson Wentz, and I think they're going to move the ball with ease against Tennessee, which gives Goddard, again, a good chance at finding that end zone. I think at worst, he's a very good stash, even if you have a good tight end, just to see what happens, especially because, well, imagine if Ertz goes down, this guy would be an immediate top five tight end every single week. So whether you're playing him or not, I think this guy needs to be stashed on benches immediately. All right, we will be, oh wait, we're going to talk defense, actually. we got a stream of the week. So hit us with that real quick before we move on to burning questions. Well, there's two I, I want to talk about real quick is check if the Chargers were dropped. They probably picked up at this point if they were, but they're facing C.J. Beathard. Uh, obviously, that needs no explanation. It's C.J. Beathard. Uh, but if they're gone, the pack, the pack does face the, the Bills. And I know the Packers have not been great on defense this year. And I know the Buffalo is coming off, obviously, an offensive explosion against the Vikings. But is that fluke? Of course it's fluke. So if you're looking for two guys, uh, those are two defenses that are widely available. Uh, especially Chargers first. And if they're not there, then give Green Bay a stab. I picked up Green Bay in two leagues. All right. We will be back after this with our week four burning questions. burning questions we're going to start off these are this is quarterback centric by the way these questions um week four burning questions first overall pick baker mayfield will be making his first nfl start at oakland can you believe it took hugh jackson by the way like a couple days to declare the guy the starter what an i don't idiot. get that that's strategy what an yeah. idiot he's such a right coach. let's just show how dumb i yeah. am he went 17 of 23 for 201 scoreless yards and a half of action sure looked like the real deal what are you expecting and can you start him in fantasy yeah, and I mean, that one, 17 for 23 is very impressive. 200 yards, like a 400-yard pace. Very impressive for coming in in a tough spot and, and lighting up. But you got to consider, he was up, should have been 20 for 23, three bad drops from his receivers. So this guy was almost perfect. Well, he's very accurate. <clears throat> but ultimately, I'm going to hold out if I can. I, I, would I stream him? Yeah, if I have Andrew Luck, I would play Baker Mayfield ahead of him. And, and he's my QB 19, so there's a good amount of QBs I'd play him uh, above. But ultimately, I'd rather have a guy like Tannehill. I've been seeing do it for a little while. Uh, I could see Baker coming out and having a nice 300, two to three touchdown day and just really cementing himself as an every week QB one. That could happen, but I'd really like to see it first. He's not a guy I'm rushing out to start quite yet, but would love to stash him. Uh, and, and I would not be surprised as he starts picking this up as soon as this week. All right. Let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, who we assured the public we would speak about. We didn't talk about him in the trainer room. We're going to talk about him. He's going to be burning question number two. Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL. The 49ers will now be turning to CJ Beathard. Can we start any 49ers in fantasy this week? And what are the expectations moving forward? Great question. It is a hard, hard beat having yeah. CJ Beathard or Beathard, uh, but I like to call him Beathard too. Rough, beat. I, rough, rough, beat. rough beat for any team that has to go with this guy who's averaged 238 passing yards through just four touchdowns and six interceptions across his six games in 2017. Bunch of scoreless, shitty efforts in there. 
this is awful. It, it sucks for 49ers fans. It sucks for fantasy fans that, I mean, the Garoppolo drop-off isn't humongous because you're streaming quarterbacks most often anyways. He was only the quarterback 18 before he went down, but it was seeming like he was starting to ascend. It's more real life that this is a terrible blow. You hate to see uh, a potential franchise guy like this off the, the field for this entire season because he just didn't get out of bounds and, and tried to make something happen. Completely unnecessary. And unfortunately, this is what happens. Is there any hope for Beathard? Not really. I mean, he's in his second year in the offense, so maybe he's been groomed a little bit and, and has a little bit more firepower and pop because of that. I, I don't see that happening. What do you do with the rest of the receivers? I wouldn't play any of them this week, not even Kittle, not Goodwin, these guys that we came in the season loving. Uh, you you got to put them on the benches, Garcon as well. But I wouldn't be cutting them yet either because there is that chance. So oftentimes when you have this shitty quarterback, they tend to lock on to one guy and just kind of pepper him. I could see any of these three be coming his kind of go-to weapon and in that case you got some serious value that you can roll out every single week ultimately though how, how do you know who that's going to be the one guy though that you can keep in lineups and i think this could actually benefit is matt Breida. Uh, he's on the NFL leading rusher right now, tied with Zeke, but on 12 less carries. The guy's been dominant. He leads the league in 8.6 yards per carry, has uh, six runs of 20-plus yards. That's more than double the next closest, Alvin Kamara. So he's been ripping off chunk gain after chunk gain. It's not just that one 65-yard touchdown that buoyed his stats. He's been doing this all week. He's been hitting the hole much harder in year two, not running nearly as tentative as he was as a rookie. And it seems like a perfect fit for that Shanahan zone-blocking scheme uh, I, I can see him, the, the offense, really just handing the reins over to this guy because he's the only real playmaker at this point that you can rely on because you don't have to connect with him, C.J. Beathard, passing-wise. But even on that note, C.J. Beathard, Carlos Hyde last year, averaged 8.9 targets per game when C.J. Beathard was under center and only 3.8 when he was out there. So he racked up 59 receptions last year, Carlos Hyde, to this terrible receiver and almost all of that came during C.J. Beathard's stats. So another reason to like Matt Breida is dump-off central. Even though he's not a great receiver himself, neither was Carlos Hyde. I can see a receiving game going up for him, and then them just handing over this entire offense. So I like Matt Breida. Everyone else, just kind of a wait-and-see approach. All right, let's talk about Josh Rosen and Arizona in general. This is burning mm. question number three. Josh Rosen taking the reins in Arizona. It's kind of like uh, you know someone giving you the reins of like an old beat up mule with like flies <laughs> like circling around him. Is there any reason to believe the Cardinals' offense, and in particular David Johnson, is on the verge of experiencing a renaissance, or is the offense and all its pieces dead and buried, and you should just say to hell with it? I'm kind of leaning that way. I mean, you don't say to hell with David Johnson ever just because he still gets a good amount of volume and is still a great weekly touchdown bet. You can say dead and buried where he had 20 touchdowns and was just flat out dominant. You got to say goodbye to those dreams and bury those ones. Uh, and just in general, I think you're burying this offense. Yeah, I don't expect Josh Rosen to come in and light up. I mean, there is more hope with him than other than Sam Bradford, which is just abysmal. Maybe Rosen will push it down the field a little bit more, benefit guys like Christian Kirk who have some good speed. Maybe they exploit that a little bit more, but I think it's more of a, a play calling issue as much as it was Bradford's play. I think Mike McCoy is just washed up at this point. He's really benefited from having guys like Ken Wisenhut and Adam Gase around him when he's been around these explosive offenses he often gets credit for. I really think he was around some other quality minds that those guys have really done well anywhere else they've gone and anywhere Mike McCoy has been without them have really sucked. So I, I'm not a believer in Mike McCoy, and I don't think Josh Rosen's going to be the answer here, at least with that guy calling the plays. So, yeah, I'm still saying they're dead and buried. No renaissance coming. 
agree 100%. There will be no renaissance in Arizona. (laughs) All right, we'll be back right after this. We'll hit the mailbag. back jimbo slice is going to kick off the mailbag with one i feel like it's pretty obvious but i'd wonder uh, what you thought uh choose two juju smith schuster stefan diggs sterling shepherd ppr league i mean my gut reactions juju and diggs definitely and it's pretty obvious like you said yeah you're going to go with the talent there you're going to go with those two guys i think he's probably questioning your shepherd in such a juicy matchup yeah could he explode and outscore either of these guys it's certainly possible but how could you bench either of them juju average over 100 yards in every single game he's the clear top option of these three and then digs with talib out like we said on the ir banged up secondary on thursday night football i you know the rams are going to put up their points i think digs is going to have a nice rebound game after a quiet week and I roll with both of those two. All right. Uh, this one is from yours truly. Uh, and I got <laughs> two, actually. First one, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Phillip Rivers. This is the second week in a row I've had to make this decision. I went with Fitz last week, and I was correct, mm-hmm. um, at least fantasy-wise. What do you think of the Fitzpatrick and Rivers dilemma? I think last week I said Fitzpatrick as well. I agreed with you because Rivers was in a tough matchup versus the Rams. But this week, Rivers faces San Fran. Horrendous defense. I think they're going to get up big and kind of run out the clock late. But ultimately, to get up big, he's going to have to put up his points. So I see Rivers getting to a nice 250-300 and 2-3 to three touchdowns. I mean, Mike Williams is balling out. Keenan Allen is due for a huge bounce back. Uh, as much as I love the Fitz magic and how it's been rolling, it looks like it's about to come to a screeching halt. There was about five to six interceptions dropped on Monday night. So I, I can see that just the, the pumpkin coming out and Fitzpatrick just combusting at one point. Whereas Rivers, you know, is at least a safe floor with an also high ceiling. So I'm going with Rivers there. Amari Cooper or John Brown, PPR. I'm going to, you got to go John Brown. He's been great. I know, all year right? That's what I over, thought. That's what I think too. He's, he's kind of there at least 1B, if not their 1A receiver right now. He hasn't scored less than 11 fantasy points. Catches a 40-yard pass every single week, it seems. Flacco's kind of balling out. The quarterback 14 right now in fantasy himself. As much as Cooper presents that boom potential and could give you a weak-winning effort, it's just as likely, if not more likely, he goes for 1.5 and, and shits all over your fucking lineup and ruins your week. And I, I hate the fucking guy, clearly. I'm so pissed at Amari Cooper. I'll ride that steadiness of John Brown, which is crazy to say. John Brown is more steady than Amari Cooper, but he has been. I'm going to keep rolling with him, absolutely. All right, this is from at Andrew Freights. Uh, we got this off Twitter. Freighties. Freighties. Pick two. Mm-hmm. Corey Davis. Yeah. Mike Williams. Yeah. Amari Cooper. Ugh. <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Dylan Gonzalez, is that real? <laughs> that's, that's the next question. I was question. like, that's not a real thing. <laughs> Let's roll out Dylan Gonzalez. Corey Davis, Mike player. Williams, Amari Cooper, <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey, pick two. Uh, man, so Alshon Jeffrey, you got to cross off the list just because he's probably not going to play. And if he does, he's likely to be on a very heavy snap count. So you can't consider him, even though I'd love to. Long term, he's probably my favorite option of these four. Uh, but ultimately, you can't trust him this week. So then you look at Cooper Williams Davis. Who are you benching out of that? Uh, as much as I want to bench Cooper, Corey Davis hasn't done anything this year. Marcus Mariota is still clearly banged up and not a great matchup for those guys. I mean, Philly's secondary isn't exactly great. I can see this being Davis's kind of coming out party. 
But I, I need to see it before I put him in the lineup. At least we've seen Cooper have a 10-catch, 100-yard day on the season. They're clearly going to try to get this guy going. Mike Williams is definitely the favorite option here against San Fran, coming off a two-touchdown week against a good defense. Now he gets a bad defense. I think Williams keeps the scoring rolling. And then I'm going to go Cooper. As much as I hate to have him in my lineup, You got if Davis is your other option, it's Cooper. All right, now this is from Dylan Gonzalez. And he <laughs> wants to know, is our guy Sony flex-worthy? I think he absolutely is. Uh, we talked about Brex Burkhead now shelved for at least eight weeks on the IR. So Sony has that early down carry, goal line roll on lock. And in the Patriots offense, which will they'll find their groove. They always do. Facing Miami, who gives up the 26 most points to running backs. So they're, uh, they're, they're very generous. So that is that to what? The six most points to running backs. Uh, the 26 worst defense against them. So yeah, Sony's absolutely flex worthy in a game where he'll see some heavy volume off a 15 touch day. I think he can do a lot more touches, especially after Miami just lost a DN to a torn ACL. This could be the week Sony kind of comes out, and I would definitely trust him in the flex, depending on who else you have. Yeah, you can trust Sony this week, though. All right, this one is from Antonio Mendoza the third. What do you think of Mike Evans' rest of the season? That's a broad question, but man, I think Mike Evans' rest of the season looks pretty awesome. What do you think? It's an even year, and every even year he's had at least 12 touchdowns and over 1,000 yards, and he's definitely on pace for that right now. It helps him if Ryan Fitzpatrick can stay under center, so hopefully Fitzmagic continues. But whether it's Jameis, whether it's Fitzpatrick, I do think Evans keeps this rolling and is a, a very trustworthy wide receiver, one that we thought we were getting last year. It seems like he's definitely emerged to be that guy this year, and I would what, – what are you benching, Mike Evans? Never. This is a guy that's earned every week starter status moving forward. I, I love him. Dude, I'm in an auction league, and my three receivers are Mike Thomas, Mike Evans, and Jarvis Landry. Well, I'm going to go to my room and just grab the lotion. I, I was like, going to say, like, Christ. yeah, you're going to go in and take care of the <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Anyway, Absolutely. Anyway, um, my favorite name that we deal with from on I occasion, love this guy. Richie Dunkelberger. That's right. <laughs> the Yes, the Richie Dunkelberger. Coach Dunk. Right. Um, anyway, Carlos Hyde or Sony Michelle at the flex. He says, I'm starting Hunt and Lamar Miller at running back. Uh, as much as I just raved about Sony Michelle and the, the bad Miami run defense, Carlos Hyde can't be benched right now. This is a great power running game from Hugh Jackson. He's always been a good run game coordinator, and he got his right guy to fit his scheme. That line is, is blocking out of their mind right now, and they love to pound the rock when they get in close. That's why I'm a little bit down on Baker. Even if he racks up 300-ish yards, I can see it being 300 scoreless yards because they love to pound the rock with Carlos Hyde when they get in close. So with that offense ascending under Baker Mayfield with more scoring chances coming and the way Carlos Hyde is just balling out right now I believe he's the running back 10 in fantasy that guy I like even more than Lamar Miller and maybe even Kareem Hunt this week he'd be my favorite option of these three so yeah I'm going Carlos Hyde over Sony all right last but not least Trinidad J half point PPR Mike Williams or Buck Allen in the flex both guys really blowing up this year so far. Buck Allen hasn't – he's scored a touchdown in every single game. Yeah. Uh, but Mike Williams has been too, and I like the matchup for Mike Williams just a little bit more. I mean, the Steelers could be blowing out the Ravens, and then you get catch-up mode and you get dink-dunk to Buck Allen, and I like his involvement. I like both of these these flex plays, and he has Christian McCaffrey, some guys on buys. This guy's team is stacked. Uh, but I'm going to go Mike Williams. The way he's balling out and gets that cake matchup against San Fran, uh, I'm going to roll with that. All right, that's going to do it for the mailbag. Wolf, you got any social media you want to talk up? 
course, at Roto Street Wolf is where you can find me personally on Twitter and Snapchat. And then the site, rotostreetjournal.com. Make sure you're checking us out, all our rankings. You can get the show on Sunday. If you, we missed your mailbag question tonight, make sure you get it in for our Sunday Sit Start show on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. If you're not following us on Facebook, you got to follow us there. We do a lot of shows throughout the week on Facebook Live. I think we're even going to test out a, a daily fantasy show this Saturday with me and Jimbo. So you got to make sure you're checking that out, whether it debuts this week or next. It's coming. Uh, Facebook, great place to find us. And then Instagram as well, doing a lot of sit start, great stuff going on on Instagram as well. Roto Street Journal for both of those. And then Roto ST Journal on Twitter. And of course, if you liked what you heard, if you want these type of pulverizing audio blocks, all season, then you got to make sure you subscribe. And we'd love to hear your thoughts in the review section. It means the world to us. So if we're helping you out, take a second. We'd really, really appreciate it to hear your words on us. All right, man. My name's Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you guys later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final Old-fashioned football right there, folks.